Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Bible Shots. My name is Robert Martin, and I work with the City Bible Forum in Melbourne. Uh, now, Bible Shots are right around Australia today, streaming live on Facebook or here in the Zoom webinar, uh, is a, a place to get a bit of understand a bit about what the Bible has to say about issues relevant to our lives. It's a, a shot. Uh, of the Bible. Now, there are other, some people might associate it perhaps with a, a coffee shot. Uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, necessarily like a tequila shot or a whiskey shot, but maybe our guest today, David Robertson. David is our guest speaker today. So, David, a tequila shot or a whiskey shot, that's not something you probably have in the middle of the day. Is that right? Oh, uh, not, in, not in the middle of the day, unless it's a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, a whiskey shot, absolutely. And I think, uh, the, you know, that's actually a very good thing because it's, uh, um, it's full of spirit and it, it tastes good and it stimulates. And uh, um, yeah, I think, I think it's not a bad description. Not a bad description. Well, it's a shot of the Bible, though. So it's not quite like whiskey or tequila or a coffee or whatever your shot may be. Today, we're getting a shot of the Bible in the middle of our day to get us thinking about some of the bigger questions of life. David's going to be speaking in a moment from the Old Testament wisdom book of Ecclesiastes about the not-so-new normal. So we'll be reflecting today on getting satisfaction. Why are wealth, wisdom, and sex not enough? So David's going to be answering those bigger questions to us today. Now, you can participate today by asking your questions. You can participate by asking in the Q&A function. If you're here in the Zoom webinar, you can ask a question in the Q&A uh, box, and David will answer that at the end. Or if you're watching live on Facebook, you can just pop it into the chat function on whatever Facebook page you're watching this on, and we'll get those questions to David as well. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our speaker today, David Robertson. David's an experienced presenter and debater on the place of Christian faith in the public sphere. He's a prolific blogger, sorry, blogger which is at the Wee Flea, and, he's the minister, and he was the minister of St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee for many years before moving to Australia um, to join the City Bible Forum and lead a new initiative called The Third Space. Uh, he joined the team last year, and he's been with the team for a bit over 12 months now. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome David, and he's going to provide our Bible shot for today. Thanks, David. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Robert. Um, uh, a, a bogger is what my colleague uh, Steve McAlpine is from Ireland, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I, Yeah, I, I am a blogger. Um, look, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes, and if you did have a Bible, you'd look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and I, I, I will... Um, I will read it, so don't worry if you don't. Um, and please do feel free to ask any questions or, or comments as we go along. Now, why look at this particular book? I had a friend called Pele who was a, a drug addict, and she'd started coming along to the church. And one day she came to see me and she said, Dave, can you give me kind of one of the books in the Bible that I could read? And I said, you know this, I'm going to give you Ecclesiastes. And she went away. Uh, I gave her a, just a, a copy of the book. And she went away and she came back the next week and she said, man, that was just awesome. Just awesome. She says, that was like Kurt Cobain on speed, which was, uh, I thought was a, a very good description of Ecclesiastes. But she couldn't believe that all this was in the Bible because what we're looking at today, for example, we're going to look in, the, in this shot. It's going to be a very intense shot. This is good malt whiskey shot. It's going to be laughter, pleasure, architecture, gardening, money, rest, stress, wine, women, and song. Um, and 
what he's doing in all of this, Solomon is trying to work out what's the point of life. And he goes through this and he says, basically, I can't get no satisfaction. Now, beforehand, Rob and I were talking and I was suggesting that he might burst into song and give us a guitar riff at the same time. But um, we've decided not to go that route because we want you to continue listening. Um, So basically, he thought he was going to try things. He was going to test himself with pleasure because to see if it worked and he could do so. He was incredibly wealthy. He had a lot of political power as well. And uh, he he does this. Now, it's very interesting. He talks about it under heaven. And what he means by that is that it was, he he tried it. It was persistent. It was limited to what was under heaven and it was serious. So let me read the first couple of verses. He said, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. That sign sounds like the kind of experiment that we would like to do. Um, Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? So he begins with laughter. Now there, he's not saying, like we would say of someone, well, they're a good laugh. He's talking about superficial fun. Um, Proverbs 14.13 says, even in laughter, the heart may ache and joy may end in grief. It's quite interesting, isn't it? How many comedians are depressives? And, you know, sometimes you see people and they're, they're full of joking and they're full of fun. And yet when you get to know them, you find that the laughter often hides sorrow, pain and grief. Uh, I've seen that a lot at funerals that people are mourning. But at the same time, there's this attempt to deflate through laughter. He's not saying it's wrong, but he said it proved to be meaningless. And then verse three, he goes on to say, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their life. Now here, he's not talking with wine. He's not talking so much about getting drunk. He is actually, to go back to the whiskey analogy, he is actually talking about drinking malt whiskey rather than drinking the cheap stuff and getting drunk on it. He's, he's, he's talking about taste. Um, I, I, you, I don't know if you're one of these people, but you know, you might go to a posh restaurant and someone will come and they'll, you order some wine and they put the wine in just a little bit in and you're meant to taste it, swill it around in your mouth and go, yes, uh, I don't do it because I don't know much about wine, but my wife, and I'm glad she's not in the room to hear me say this, uh, she's much more of a connoisseur of wine. So she will do it. And I I had a Dutch friend once, I was utterly amazed. Don't you've ever seen this. He just tasted it, went, Nah, not good enough. Send it back, get another bottle. I thought, wow, okay. I wouldn't have the nerve to do that. But that's what he's speaking about. He's saying these things are, he's not condemning these things. He's saying, I tried this. And he said, do you know, it was meaningless. Verse four, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water grows of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. Remember, in the context of that culture, that slave here largely would mean what we would now determine as servants. But that's what happened. They did own people. That was a, that was a common culture throughout the world. Uh, I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delight of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. So what's he saying? He's saying he he had many, many great projects. Um, If you were to go to another book in the Bible called Second Chronicles, 
We read about how Solomon built up villages, he built towns, he set up fortified cities, he created store cities. I mean, at the end of COVID, uh, the government is talking, both Victoria, New South Wales, the whole of Australia, we're going to rebuild by having projects. Well, that's exactly what Solomon did. Um, Although in this case, the building was not for the public good, but for his own pleasure. Now, what's interesting is that he also included gardens. I am not a gardener. I'm very thankful that I now live in an apartment where there is no garden. I do like going to the botanic gardens in, in Sydney, and they are amazing. And that's what he is talking about. Luxurious gardens were characteristic of royalty and nobility at this time. Um, They often featured choice plants, they might contain a summer house, and they would usually be walled to ensure privacy. There were great public parks as well, and you'll note that he refers to lakes, because as in much of Australia, there's a need for reservoirs and dams because the plants needed to be watered. Now, he has a look at all of this, and he's really grateful for what he's been able to do and what he has made. And then he has wealth. Um, all King Solomon goblets, goblets were gold, and all the household articles in the Palace of the Forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Uh, I was in the, grew up in the Highlands of Scotland, and there was one of the Arab sheiks who bought an estate there. And I remember a friend who was a plumber going to work on the plumbing, and he had to be searched uh, go, coming out of the building because all the plumbing he's working on was gold. The taps were gold. The bath was gold. Um, He'd never seen anything like it before. Well, that's what Solomon had. He had a great deal of wealth. And it may be that you're watching this and you're in a position where you have a significant amount of wealth. Doug Copeland says this, all you are doing with your life is collecting objects and nothing else. Money is important and it's good to have it. But Solomon said, I tried it. It didn't work. Verse eight, he's talking about women. I acquired a harem, he says. Um, That's a kind of uh, a disputed term. It could mean that uh, he's talking about a a cupbearer or a a mistress or a a lover. But uh, it can also be a crude term, which refers to women largely just as sexual objects. And we know that about Solomon. Um, The Bible says he had 700 wives and 300 concubines and his wife led him astray. I have no idea how someone copes with 700 wives. Um, some of you watching this will be thinking, well, I've got one husband or one wife and that's enough. But in this context, wives were associated with political alliances. And that's really what's being said here. But um, certainly to be able to have a harem, to have as you know this man who had as many women as he wanted, it sounds gross in our current context. But that's often the way of the world. And then song. He speaks about a choir. He had a choir, pretty good choir, apparently. Um, Very entertaining. Music's always been important in human culture, and it will continue to be. And he tried all of this. And what did he say after? You say, I mean, imagine that you're able to have everything that you want. There's, There's nothing that can hold you back. You have all that you want. And you'd say, well, I'd be happy. I'd be happy if I had a bigger house. I'd be happy if I, uh, you know, um, if I had the, the the new iPhone, I'd be happy if I had a better car. I mean, I, I look at the 
the Australian or the Sydney Morning Herald and everyone now and then you get someone doing a review of a car. So the latest one was a Bentley that was $450,000. Well, that, you know, I'd be happy if I had that. I'd be happy if I had that man or that woman. No, you wouldn't. That's what he says. Solomon objectively looked at all this. He's like the German poet Goethe, who it said, analyzed his voluptuousness and studied his own faculties of enjoyment. He said, yeah, there was enjoyment. He says, my heart took delight. There was a sense of achievement. I made all these buildings and these gardens. But at the end of the day, he woke up in the morning. He had to tell it like it was. He enjoyed his work. He enjoyed his pleasure. But he recognized that it was all pretty useless. He was disappointed. He was not getting satisfaction. Now, why was that? If you look over those verses again, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Why was it pointless? Because six times he uses the refrain, I did it for myself. And it just didn't work. So what's being said here is that the, the spiritual, the pleasure seeking does not satisfy the spiritual thirst of the secular person. All of these things without Christ are ultimately pointless. So he goes on, verses 12 to 16. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads, while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. Well, wisdom's pretty important. Now, let me just define wisdom just for a second. Wisdom is not Google. Google is replacing your memory. Wisdom, Google gives you lots of information. On the internet, you get lots of information, but you don't get wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to apply what you've learned. There's no point in having lots of facts if you don't know how to apply it. And he says, look, wisdom was good. Wisdom is needed to, to give strength, to get success. He's saying wise people walk around with their head clear and they get on. Stupid people live dumbed down lives in a dumbed down culture. But he then says, verse 15, even with that, it's, and it's a real shocker, this one, actually. He says, both are the same because both cannot avoid death. The wise person will get COVID. The stupid person will get COVID. What's the point? Now, what Solomon's saying here is that if he can't find wisdom with, if he can't find meaning with all his knowledge and wisdom, then what chance do the rest of us have? I'm, um, I'm not being a poser here, but I'm reading just now Albert Camus um, on uh, the meaning of life, basically. It's where he's looking at suicide and so on. And it's pretty heavy going. And he's brilliant. But at the end of the day, he's also saying it's just pretty pointless. So 
He's tried pleasure. He's tried all the things that money can buy. He's tried wisdom. The last thing he tries is this, verse 17. So I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over my, all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another one who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Let me quote the great Swedish philosophers Bjorn and Benny, otherwise known as Abba. Um, they, I know I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay, but still there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. Money, money, money. It's a rich man's world. You know, you work hard. And yet, since it all ends in death, what's the point of that? Death not only destroys wisdom, but casts its shadow over much of life. So the teacher says, I hated life. I hated it. I hate work. I hate the basic daily grind, the daily responsibilities. And I mean, that did happen. The one who came after him, his son Rehoboam, destroyed much of what he had built up. And so he says, my heart began to despair. Despite wisdom, knowledge, skill, work, family, everything, there's no escaping death. There's no guaranteeing what comes after. And so what? All hope of a, a worthwhile life has gone. Wisdom and pleasure have failed. Human endeavor cannot be remembered, retained, or passed on. It's not just useless. It's unfair and it's unjust. Nothing except pain and sleepless nights caused by the frustration of knowing it's all pointless. Doug Copeland, again, the Canadian writer, I love what he says about this. He says, as the expression goes, we spend our youth attaining wealth and our wealth attaining youth. And he's saying, basically, it's all pointless. So let me summarize this before we ask any questions. Please do feel free to put them in the chat or if you've got any uh, you want to ask. Um, how do we get satisfaction then? Well, this is done under the sun. And I would argue that under the sun is really difficult to get satisfaction. You actually spend a lot of time drowning your sorrows. So for example, I appreciate, as we, you gather from the beginning, I, I do appreciate malt whiskey. Um, getting drunk on it, I don't, I don't ever do for two reasons. One, I can't afford it. I'm Scottish and it's, you know, I can't afford that kind of expensive stuff. But the main reason is simply this. Why? Why would I? You deny yourself all of the pleasure of the thing by overindulging and, or abusing it. And that's what's being said here. Please don't misunderstand me. The Bible is not saying all these things are evil and wicked. In fact, the Bible's basically saying most of them are good, but you need to know how to use them. And you need to, you know, you need to, to be wise in that sense. And it's saying under the sun, you need to think about how you have a relationship with God. So let's just go through them very quickly. The pleasures. It is God who's the giver of pleasure, not the devil. The devil distorts it. Laughter. The Bible's not saying there's no place for laughter, but it's the timing and object of this laughter. Wine. 
Jesus turned water into wine. He could hardly have been against wine by doing that. We have communion. We're told to be filled with the spirit and not drunk with wine. Great projects, creative and artistic skill. We reflect the maker, the creator, by being creative. Wealth. It's not wrong to have wealth, but it's what you do with that wealth that's important. If it's self-indulgent, then it's wrong. Um, what he says about women, we're talking here about relationships. Solomon uh, in Proverbs talks about rejoicing with the wife of your youth. And here it's not women or men as objects. It's funny, you know, I, I, I'm a great believer in women's liberation. In fact, I just joined a women's movement yesterday. Uh, that's another story. But um, I, it's funny that as we've gone on with you know, supposed more women's liberation, we've ended up with women and men being more objectified in terms of, of sex. And here is to, we're talking about men and women as partners together, rejoicing in one another and in God. Song. Um, Christians are, are a singing people when we're allowed to be. Uh, we're not allowed to sing just now, but uh, or at least not together. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We use the gift of music to celebrate the goodness of God and the glory and beauty of this world. If you have time, look up a, a Steve Martin YouTube video called Atheists Ain't Got No Songs, because they don't. What about rest? Sleep? Uh, Jesus was able to sleep in a storm. And the Bible says that God gives his beloved sleep. He gives us rest. He gives us peace and work. Let nothing move you, says Paul. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And the work of the Lord, yes, it can be somebody preaching, but it can also be someone working in a firm, creating money for other people. It can be someone um, cleaning up the streets. It can be teaching. It can be nursing and so many things. So it's straightforward. Let me summarize it this way. Without Christ, everything you do this week, though it may bring temporary pleasure, and satisfaction, it will ultimately leave you dissatisfied. It's like drinking salt water to quench your thirst. With Christ, even the most mundane, boring, and seemingly meaningless task can be transformed into something beautiful. So I do pray that God would bless you. I pray that you would know satisfaction. And, and, I, and I pray that if you, if you as yet do not know Christ, that you would come to know him because it's in knowing him that all these things get added to you. Um, so we'll leave it there. If there's any questions or comments, that's fine. And Rob, and if there's not, uh, we'll let you go and enjoy your lunch or hopefully you've been enjoying your lunch while you've been having this. Let me go and enjoy my lunch. Oh, that's it, will a, a, it will not be a liquid lunch. That's, that's right. It's a shot of water there, perhaps there, David. Well, thanks for your, the Bible shot that you've given us today. There's a few minutes. I uh, haven't got so many questions coming through you, but I've got a couple of questions just to maybe get the, get the ball rolling a bit there, David, just to, to um, sort of dig down a bit into some of the things that you've raised. You made the point there that uh, death makes things pointless. If you, you know, you achieve great things, kind of what's the point? There are some who would uh, respond to that by saying, well, actually, death means, therefore, that everything that we do in this life makes everything very meaningful because this is the only life we have. Therefore, we need to maximize the life here. So therefore, rather than death making everything meaningless, it actually makes everything we do now meaningful. How do you respond to that? Well, it's an, it's an absurd meaning uh, or a very shallow meaning. I, I go back to Camus. Camus says it is absurd 
but that you've got to recognize the absurdity and then just get on with it and enjoy it. So it's, a, it's, a, it's more or less saying eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. Um, the problem with that, logically, if you think about it, you know, we work hard at really things. So let's, let's take one example that Solomon uses. Let's say you spend 20, 30, 40 years of your life building a beautiful home, a, a beautiful house. And at the end of your day, you look back and you can say with satisfaction, well, I've got this beautiful house. I'm going to pass it on. You pass it on. But what Solomon says is, who knows whether your son or whoever it is, is not just going to gamble it away within five years. Who knows whether it's not going to burn down. He's saying, you know, you, you work with all these things, but, uh, you know, it really, it does end up under the sun just being meaningless. Now, you can give yourself, I'm not saying that, that anyone watching this is saying, well, I have no meaning. Yes, of course you have a meaning. You have a meaning and, you know, you're going to look after your family or you're going to build something or um, you've got a particular purpose in, in your job. And I'm not saying that that is totally worthless or has no meaning, but ultimately in, in the context of much more than your immediate, the immediate present, actually, yeah, it, in, in the grand scheme of things, it boils down to, to very, very little. And I think that that's a, a, a big issue. But you're saying that the Christian message then offers something more than what what the solution there or the the, the, the issue there. The, the Christian message offers something more. Yes. So what the Christian? It's like um, I think Bob Geldof at Live Aid and Midyear when they did Live Aid, which you know it always struck me that this was just a stunning statement. They'd they'd done the first Live Aid. They'd raised a hundred million plus dollars with rock bands all over the world for famine in Ethiopia, which is about a billion dollars today. And at the end of it, uh, Bob Geldof turned to Midyear and said, "Is that all?" Is that it? And, and I think what, what Solomon is doing, he's not saying these things are wrong. He's saying, is that it? And no, there is much more than that. And as we go on through Ecclesiastes next week, we'll, be, we'll, we'll see um, we have this sense of longing for something, something more. Um, Rob, there's a, there's a question. There. there is a question. Yeah. So it's about judgment. So will God judge uh, people for Solomon-like behavior like he did for the foolish farmer who built all those store houses of grain in the New Testament. For those who are not familiar with that, that's a story, I think, in the Gospel of Luke, where someone builds bigger barns, but then he's judged and says, a judge to be foolish. What are your thoughts, David? Yeah, I think um, that's where we got the phrase, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That's where that, that phrase comes from, that parable that Jesus told. Um, I think if we sought our satisfaction only with that and we didn't end up coming to the judgment that Solomon comes at the end of this where he says you know I've come down to the conclusion that at the end of the day all that matters is to fear God and keep his commandments kind of thing Um, I I think yes we would be because we've sought our satisfaction in the gifts not the giver but the good news is that Jesus came as the ultimate gift and I, I find that um there's two things that Jesus says. One is seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. And then one is another is something that Paul says in Romans eight, that if he's given us Christ, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. So uh, it's not what, what I'm not setting up here is some kind of spiritual asceticism versus physical pleasure. What's being set up as you yourself in, in, in the question you asked indicated is that, 
the physical pleasure without Christ is not only not enough, but it ends up being damaging. So, um, you know, we end (laughs) up abusing and misusing the gifts. We end up abusing relationships or money or sex or whatever. And the solution to that is not to say we're never going to use these things, but the solution to that is to say we're going to, we need to use them in the right context. And that context is in a relationship with God, which we do not have without Jesus Christ. So maybe just to, to unpack that a little bit further, because you mentioned, you know, maybe you know, this will be the final uh, comment and question uh, for today. But you're talking about all these things like uh, wealth, wisdom, sex, etc. Uh, you said, said that ultimately they're useless, but that doesn't diminish their value in their own right. They're still, they do, they're still valuable and, and useful. Yes. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't diminish their values. So um, right now, for example, uh, I am going to go from here and I'm not going to go and say, oh, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Christian. I'm spiritual. I don't need to eat. I, I am actually going to go and enjoy some nice food. Um, I may go out for a walk. I may spend some time uh, with my wife later on. Uh, I will uh, hopefully this week, I'm going to go and listen to some good music. And who knows, at the weekend, I may enjoy a good malt and all that, all, all of that kind of stuff. Another type of shot. Yeah. But what it's saying is, if that's the purpose for which I'm living. So if the means of enjoyment and so on becomes the aim, then it becomes self-defeating. And it, it you know, I, it's it's very very important for people um to grasp that i think these things have greater meaning with christ not less and i think that's the point of what solomon is saying when you take god out of the equation there's an old italian proverb um the man who leaves god out of the equation doesn't know how to count and i think maybe that's where i'll leave you if if you're going to leave god out of the equation you don't know how to live you don't know how to count you've got to learn Terrific. Well, thank you very much for sharing today, David, giving us our Bible shot, shot from the Bible. Uh, And we appreciate your words of wisdom from the scriptures uh, from Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We'll be back again at the same time next week, 1 p.m. next Wednesday, both here live on the webinar and also live around Australia on Facebook. Uh, You can tune in via the same link that we had today. Email will be sent with that link, but also you can tune in on our Facebook pages around Australia. Next week, we're looking at a time for everything. Why do I feel that there is something more? So I'll be looking at the second half of Ecclesiastes 2 and the second part of Ecclesiastes 2 and also the next chapter, Ecclesiastes 3. So I hope you've enjoyed today's shot from the Bible. We'll be, as I said, we'll be back again next week. And if you'd like to find out more about the Christian faith, perhaps that this has piqued your interest and you'd like to find out more about the God who provides meaning more than uh, money, sex, and uh, wisdom, then please drop us a line at City Bible Forum and we'll be able to help you out and be able to serve you and be able to give you some resources and some other tools to investigate uh, Christ more and also investigate the Christian message further. So let us know uh, and contact us in your local center at your local city or just send us an email at info at citybibleforum.org until next week well it's great great that you could join us today and we look forward to you joining us again next week in the meantime just keep asking those bigger questions uh, as we uh, consider the big questions of life so thanks very much for joining us and we'll see you next week thank you goodbye